place to drag race if you ever wanted to do that. Abandoned patch. Uh, we're talking about the step. Just if you would please rise out of reverence for the reading of God's word. I'm just going to read these words to us and let them let them wash over you. Um, for this reason, Christianity. Gathered in here, we've come out on the bus.
judge came down. That's what paradise. paradise. And so what Jesus has Third, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's not figurative. We've gone through this before earlier on in Ephesians. That's not figurative language. God has given you everything that is Christ by faith in Him. And our inheritance is the earth. God made a promise to Abraham. Look to the east, the west, the north, and the south. Everything you see, I give you everything. Noah, I give you everything. And now He has brought us into that Every promise, every covenant that God ever made, Paul tells us in Corinthians, is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let that one marinate. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus Christ on the cross by absorbing the wrath of God, He ransomed you, He atoned for you, He propitiated for you on your behalf, He turned away God's wrath, and He bought your adoption, not just your justification. He paid for your adoption in full, not one penny left to be paid, and He's brought you in to all these promises of God. And they are now for you by faith in Christ, yes and amen, for your soul. Pray then like this, Jesus says, Our Father, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, the Father, except through me. Jesus, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not return to a yoke of slavery. For what, 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 what is the purpose for which Jesus set you free? According to Galatians 5 verse 1. Freedom. You are free. What more could Jesus have bought for you? Was there anything lacking in Jesus' atonement? Was there anything lacking in the propitiation of Christ? Not one drop. Not one penny. Paid in full. 
Therefore, what is left for you? Freedom, adoption, home. And this is the home in which you are made to live in. This is the home in which your soul was made to live in. What, Jesus, or what the Holy Spirit has taught through Paul in Ephesians, he says that we have been predestined and chosen in Christ to share in this great inheritance. The promise to Abraham, I give you uh, uh, myself, I will be your eternal everlasting God. Two, he gives him the land all around him. Three, he gives him an eternal people. One day, every person, every human body that is in, every human body is going to be resurrected. The wheat will be separated from the weeds. And those who are in Christ will be united with Christ, with him in a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, a new city. And he says, not only that, but he's also chose you before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians chapter 1, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Blameless. Without blame in his sight. Do you, so when you think about God and going into his presence, all we have is Christ, what we just said. That's the prayer. And God, before his eyes, according to Ephesians chapter 1, you have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and and blameless in his sight. Now, not only that, not only has he done all this stuff externally for you, but we've also learned in Ephesians chapter 2 that, but God being rich in mercy made you alive together with Christ. There's this organic, this organicness of this, that, that Jesus Christ not only died for you, not only did he save you, he also gave you the faith and the ability, and he resurrected your cold, dead corpse of a heart and gave you the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the nose to breathe. He gave you a whole new heart to believe it. And it says here in the Scriptures, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So where did your faith come from? Your faith came also from God. It was granted to you. Where is boasting in that? We sing to God like we just did. All I have is Christ. And that's what we'll be singing forever and ever and ever. So we have learned about this inner man, this inner self that the Bible teaches about. And we've been raised together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. He's made us alive together with Christ. So you've got this inner man, and this is where true spirituality is to be found. It's not an external, you know, he doesn't delight in all the sacrifices. What he delights is a humble and contrite spirit, heart. And this, we're getting to the heart of the issue this morning. That's what Paul is getting at. Uh, we're not, we're, this is where the true spirituality is. And this, this home for this soul, this inheritance that we've been thinking about so far this morning, it's not seen with physical eyes. It can only be seen with spiritual eyes. The Bible talks a lot about spiritual discernment. And this is where true Christianity is. This is where true religion is. It's a spiritual experience. It's a divine reality that we experience. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverent fear constructed an ark 
for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, just think of this is a story we've heard over and over and over again, if you, especially if you grew up in church. Noah constructs an ark. What did he do? Just think about how absurd this is. It would be like, okay, we're in southern Illinois. We are landlocked. We don't have an ocean anywhere around us. Let's build a floating zoo. That's, that's, what, that's what Noah did. He was a laughing stock. He was so dominated by things unseen, by the spiritual realm, that he builds a floating zoo in obedience to a father who cannot be touched. He uh, dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. He is so consumed with the spiritual realm, so consumed with God, his spirit was so hot within him that he constructed an ark in the middle of a landlocked area. Abraham, I think we'd all agree that Abraham lived a weird life. Abraham leaves his people, leaves his heritage, and begins to wander around out in deserts, living in tents. What controlled him? Was it the things that were seen, or was it the things that were unseen? His inner man, his inner self, is what he lived by, and what he, he was a moon worshiper. He leaves worshiping the moon, and goes and lives in tents, and follows God, chases God all over a desert. One desert after another. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's go stand in a blazing hot furnace. What, what's controlling these people? You just got one story after another. David, driven by the Spirit. Hey, I'll, take, I'll, I'll just pick up a slingshot, and I'm going to go slay this mighty warrior. That I, and I'm, I'm, I'm just a kid, pretty much. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly how. I mean, he's in his teen, late teens, I believe. But you get the idea. Jesus, driven by the Spirit. Where was he driven? Out into the desert, fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Tempted by the devil the whole time. John the Baptist. I don't think we need to get... Uh, description is not even necessary. Strange, strange cat in the eyes of the world. He's eating locusts, eating honey, wearing leather. You know, he's, it, it, what's he driven by? What's controlling all these guys? The spiritual realm is controlling them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. So we not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way to glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then here in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and 16, here is Paul's prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Inner man. And that's what Paul believers. Every generation of family that's ever existed God has been sovereign over all of them. They have existed by the mere pleasure of God. He goes to this Father in prayer and He asks that our inner man may be strengthened through His Spirit. And this notice this other thing, that it's granted. It's granted by God. God is The reason that you have this ability and this strength is because it's been granted to you from God. It's given by His mere pleasure out of His treasury. But notice that the Spirit brings us to our inner being and He fills us with His Spirit. And I think about it like a balloon. When we are converted, when we are regenerated, God gives us a balloon and then He chooses to fill it. 
And he continues to fill it. And this is what Paul is ultimately praying for, that we be filled with his spirit and strengthened in our inner man, and there's a purpose for it. Um, I, I was trying to think about how this, how this all works with the, with the inner man. And um, Have you guys ever seen uh, one of these documentaries about, about music and the brain and the impact it has on the brain? They, they do this um, like thermal imagery of the human brain. And what they did was they brought in somebody that's a music lover that likes music, and then, then they brought in a musician from like a symphony uh, that actually knows how to read music and think analytically about music, and they played for both of them a song. And on, on one half of the brain, you've kind of got the analytical side that, that knows how to analyze the music as, as they're listening to it, and on the other half of the brain, there's like the affection center, the joy center that, that, that comes into to flame. And when one of those sides were being used, uh, it turns red on the screen. And so they brought in two different people, a music lover that doesn't really know anything about music. He just loves to listen to the thing as a whole. And then he brought in the, the person that, that's the musician that knows all the different parts of it. And they're analyzing each and every part while they're listening. And it was interesting because for the music lover, half of their brain showed up red. It, it glowed red. For the musician, both sides, the entire brain was fully engaged and, and the, the exercise and listening to that music. And, I, and, and God here, in, in, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the inner man. This inner man is where your affections are. The inner man is where your emotions are. And the inner man, in just the same way your physical body has the ability to sense things, so does your inner person. Uh, you can see things with your eyes spiritually and sense things with your eyes spiritually. You're discerning things. That's your inner man. That's where discernment takes place. That's where affections are. That's your inner man. And Paul is praying that the inner man of this church may be strengthened and filled with the Spirit. And there's a purpose for it. He's praying that this inner man would have the ability, the capacity to do something, to go somewhere. What is it for? What's the purpose of it? And what the Spirit is teaching us is the end point of all Christianity, of all religion. This is the home in which the Christian lives. And it's not a box to check off a list. Okay, well, I got there. I made it. I got, it's not like a, I'm, I got my passport stamped and that's it. It's not that we buy a round-trip ticket. Like we, just, we go there and then we, we just leave and come back. No, this is a one-way ticket that Paul is praying. He's praying to this inner man that the entire brain of that inner man would glow bright red, white hot, and live in this destination, this endpoint that we are made to swim in. This is the ocean that the inner man is made to swim in. And this is the essence, the life, the heartbeat, and the bedrock of Christianity. This is what James calls true and undefiled religion, genuine spirituality. And here it is. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 and 19. We'd be strengthened in an inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the great privilege that God by grace has been granted, has granted us. 
in the beloved. This is our focal point. This is the mission of your soul. This is the mission of your life. This is, the, this is why you are here this morning, or why we should be here this morning. It's to swim and to understand and to comprehend and to experience the breadth, the length, the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's, that's what Christianity is all about. We are to are we to swim in our sin? No. Are we to stare at ourselves in a mirror? No. Are we to just swim in our justification and just stop there at our justification? No, we don't stop at justification. We definitely go to justification. We praise God for our justification. But what is our, who is our justification meant to bring us to? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the end point. Adoption. Adoption. If you would just think about, uh, you know, I, I've seen families adopt. We had a, a dear family in, uh, from our previous church in Vienna adopted two boys from Columbia. They invested thousands of dollars. They went, they went down there and they got them. Uh, my friend Mark, he got sick, had to go to the hospital. He was there. He nearly died in a, in a Colombian hospital in Bogota. That, that's where they went to go get these boys, and they brought them home. And I remember we had the church family there with all these welcome home signs, and we had balloons, and, uh, and they had their names on there, and, and they, we were at the airport waiting on them when they got there. And there was so much joy. There were tears of joy. It was laughter. It was an awesome thing to behold. That's what we are made for. That's what Jesus came to do for you. He came not only to justify you, He came to get you. He came to grab you. He came to bring you home. Everlasting joy. An eternal feast. His first miracle is a party. There's no coincidence. He's, not, he's got a method behind everything he ever did. His very first miracle was to usher in a party. It was a wedding feast. A wedding celebration. Jesus came not only to die for you, not only to justify you, He came to adopt you. He came to bring you home. That's what the gospel, that's the best news of the gospel. And, and that, that is where we're made to swim. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on your sin. Don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your present. Don't focus on your future. Don't focus on you. Just quit thinking about yourself. Quit being absorbed with yourself. Quit worshiping yourself and turn away from yourself completely. Lose sight of yourself completely in the light of His glory and His grace. That's religion that is true and undefiled. That is true spirituality. And that's a salvation that is outside of you. It's alien. It's outside. It's other. And that's why it's the only true salvation that's in the world today. There is salvation nowhere else. Because in every other religion, the ultimate checkpoint is what you're doing and your works and your merits and what your karma and your checks and balances. Christianity comes and says, here's grace. It's the only religion on the planet that has grace. It's outside of you. Unmerited favor. I want to show you a contrast of how the two different things, Christianity and selfism, which is pretty much the root of every other religion on the planet. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a coach 
and he loved this, this poem called The Man in the Glass. Has anybody ever read, know what I'm talking about, The Man in the Glass? Nobody. That's great. Uh, hey, my man's got, there's one, there's two of us in here. All right, it's by Peter Dale Wimbro. He wrote it in 1934. And I just, I want to read you this poem, and then I want to read you a devotional from Charles Spurgeon. I want you to see how drastically different they are. I want you to see the contrast between the two. And, and we've got to be careful because this man in the glass shows up in church circles all the time. We've got we to turn away from this selfism. It says, when you get what you want and your struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. Now here's my question for you. Who's the king in that first stanza? You are. You're the king. Now here's the second one. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. Who's the judge? You are. That's comforting, isn't it? Considering I don't, I, I don't even know who I I'm so insecure, I don't even know who I am apart from the Word of God. But I'm going to judge myself. Now here, here's th two more stanzas. He's the fellow to please. Never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear to the end. Even when you die, you know, you, anyway. And you've passed your most difficult, dangerous test if the man in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Who's God? Who's God in that poem? Ultimately, it's you. The man in the glass is your God. Who's the focal point in this stanza, or in this poem? You are the focal point. How comforting is that? It's a poem about the worship of self. You know why it's, that's, it's just damning. It's paralyzing. Because you know what I see when I, we've talked about this in here before. When I, when I look at myself and I stare at myself in the glass, and I know about my past, and I know what I've done and who I am and what my failures are. I know I'm, I'm going to fail today. I know I'm going to sin today. I know that tomorrow I'm going to sin. You know what I see when I see myself in the, in the glass, and that's my focal point, and that's my God? I see despair. I see depression. I see shame. I see guilt. I see fear. And what I see is an anxiety-filled tightrope that I've got to walk each and every day of my life. Is my good outweighing my bad? Every single day. Now, now I want to read you, by way of contrast, the gospel. The gospel. Your salvation is found in Christ outside of you. So here's, here's a poem about salvation within. Here's a poem about salvation without, outside of you. Best note, this is life-changing stuff right here, at least for me. This is life. This is the gospel. This is what will change your heart. You want freedom from anxiety? You want freedom from fear? You want freedom from shame and guilt? You want freedom from the tightrope balancing act? Freedom from trying to impress people? Freedom from trying to impress yourself and please yourself? Freedom from the worship of your belly? Is your God your belly this morning? You want freedom from all that? Here it is. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. Unpack the gospel in just a few paragraphs. Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus is the name of it from his devotion morning and evening. Listen to this. This, is, this about blew me. I was in the woods in Alabama 
at working a camp, and this blew me out of my chair and changed me. <sighs> out of breath. It is ever the Holy... Let's just listen to this. Just let, listen to this. It is ever the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. Away from the man in the glass. Repent enough. You will never be able to continue to hold of Jesus. All of these are thoughts about self. Assurance by looking within. But the Holy Spirit turns our eyes entirely to self. He tells us that we are nothing but that Christ is all in all. Remember, therefore, it is not your hold of Christ that saves you. It is Christ. It is not Christ. It is not even faith in Christ. It is Christ's blood. Look, not so much for grasping Christ as to Christ. Look, not to your The author and It is what Jesus is. If we between you following after him my built on blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame on Jesus' name. That is the music that turns the inner man's brain bright red. That is the new song that is being sung in heaven that will never go old. It will never fade away. And you can the bottom. Yourself. Praise be to God. He did it. It is finished. It is done. You are justified. You have been judged. You have been forgiven. You are forgiven this morning in Christ alone. There is forgiveness of sins found nowhere else. There is no other way. There is no other Savior. And just think about this. Try to, try to write a, a poem, write a song about your love for God. What would it be about? How long would it be? Would it be a happy song or would it be a depressing song? I know what mine would be. It would be a depressing song. I failed you again. I screwed up again. I have sinned against you again. Over and over and over again. That's my, that's my grip on God. It's wavering. Shifting sand. Here today, gone tomorrow. Gone tomorrow, here today. Emotionalism. Selfism. Effort. Weary. Exhaustion. That's what it is. That's a works-based righteousness, and that's not Christianity. That is no Christianity. You will never find salvation there. Now, contrast that. Contrast that. Write a song about God's love for you. Happy or sad? 
Write a song about the steadfast love of the Lord enduring forever. Can you stop with one song? Do you, do you run, when do you run out of ink? How long can we sing about the steadfast love of the Lord? How long can it be? How many words are there to describe the astonishing work of Jesus Christ on the cross? The love of Christ. Now, now here's the thing. The love of Christ must be, it is to be comprehended. It is experienced. And that is what Paul is praying for. How, how do you pray? Do, do we pray for God, our Father, to give us more of Him? To comprehend His love? To be able to swim in His love? To be able to see it? To be able to smell the fragrance of life? To be able to hear it, the new song in our inner man? To be able to discern it? To be able to contemplate it? Is, is that what consumes your prayer life? Or are you just asking Him for more stuff? You know one of the most misquoted statements in the Bible, we have not because we ask not. Do you know what he's talking about there? He's not, he's not talking about asking for BMWs and jets and houses and pay raises and good health. You know what he's asking for? More of him. More of Jesus. More ability to comprehend what is the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. We have not because we ask not. And this ability and this strength must be granted by the Father. This the contemplation and the comprehension is worship. Now to hear fell and your sins were forgiven. No, you've been saved into something. You've been brought home. Live there in that resting place. Get away from the world. Get away from yourself. Quit I'm that you have yourself. He is the ultimate Gives you cattle on a thousand hills. That's that's turn up my eyes, my ears, raise my from the dead, like Lazarus died of us. 
but it's found outside of us. It's found in Christ. Here He is. You can be set free from yourself. Turn away from yourself. Repent and believe the Gospel. Let's take it to Him. Let's set the captives free with this message. There's, let's set ourselves free with this message. I just want to read you Psalms. And what I did was, I, 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 just, I went into my, my uh, online Bible and I typed in, Steadfast love of the Lord. That's all I did. And, shoo, I mean, I got, I got, we'd be in here all, all day. Um, and I just went to the Psalms. And again, we'd be in here all day unpacking all the Psalms about, to just have the phrase, the steadfast love of the Lord. And I, I want to read you just a few of them. And I, I want to ask you, if, if you want to, you can keep your eyes open or whatever, but maybe it'd be best just to kind of, to just to kind of close your eyes and just let these words just, wash over you. These are the words of God. This is, you, this is God just, just speaking to your soul. Think about it like that. And just listen to God speak these words to your soul. And these are words about the steadfast love of the Lord. And this is what we're going to sing about. We're going we're gonna to come back here in just a moment and we're just going to continue on in, in singing and in worship. Listen to these. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. Psalm 33, 18. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give him drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Psalm 36, 5-10. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain. You will not restrain your mercy from me. What if he did? But he doesn't. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Psalm 40, 11. Psalm 69, 13. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Psalm 84, 1-4. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh Sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are all who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Just a couple more. Psalm 89, 1 and 2. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever in the heavens. You will establish your faithfulness. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 101 1. I will sing of the steadfast love. I'm sorry. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. Psalm 107, 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the wise thing to do. If you're wise, you will consider the steadfast love of the Lord. 
If you are unwise, you won't. Oh, Psalm 146. This will be my last one. I've got more, but I'm going to stop after this one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. There's your man in the mirror. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. What are all these about? They're about the unshakable, unbreakable, incorruptible love of God. And it'll never get old. It'll never rust. It will never die. His faithfulness extends forever and ever and ever. And that is the only hope you have. If your only hope is you, we are all hopeless. But if our hope is in God, who is infinite and eternal, we have an eternal salvation that will never corrupt. It will never run dry. It will never break. So I want us to, as we sing here, stare at the steadfast love of the Lord. Some of us are dry. Some of us are numb. Some of us are dizzy. He, he's not. Thank God, He's not. I am. He's not. Let's praise Him. Because it's His grip on you that saves you. It's not your grip on Him. Praise be to God. Let me pray for us. And uh, I just want to pray as, as we... Let's just pray. Father, we are getting ready to do as Your Word says for us to do. As a psalmist does, we want to open our mouths wide and we want to ask You to fill us with Your Spirit. Fill us with the ability and the strength to comprehend what is the height and the depth and the length and the width of the love of God, the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. I pray, God, that uh, as we sing, God, that our, our little brains would just be bright red. God, as we are able to comprehend. God, I just pray for that this morning. I pray that for me. I pray that for all of us. Father, I pray that there is one in this room that God, that uh, you were drawing this morning, I pray you'd bring him home. Bring them home. I pray for our children, God. I pray you'd save them young. Bring them home, Father. Rescue us all from ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, we praise you this morning. You have done it. I, pray, I praise you that your grip is strong, that you, in your right hand there is salvation forevermore. I pray you'd bear the arm of salvation. Your arm is strong and mighty to save. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
this song we're about to sing is an invitation.